Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. How many of y'all have ever felt like you've been mistreated in life? Anybody ever got a raw deal? Only a few. Not many. I thought everybody had their hand up there. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, we've all had times in our life where we thought we were treated unfairly. Uh, sometimes it's, it's severe mistreatment or injustice. Sometimes it's maybe we got overlooked for a promotion that we thought we deserved over someone else. Uh, but injustice is something that we all struggle with. So real quick, and we'll look at this again, but look at Genesis 37, starting verse number 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Of course, Israel is Jacob. Uh, more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Uh, now, trouble and persecution, they are they're natural parts of the world that we live in. The Bible says in Job chapter 5, Yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know, you ever seen a, a, a campfire where the sparks fly up? If you're in the city and you have a, a burn, a burn uh, chimney, you've got to have a spark arrester. But if you're in the county like me, you can just let those sparks fly. And they can go wherever they want to go. And, you know, as you start a fire, you throw some wood in, sparks fly up. Because that's what man's trouble is like. We are, we are as prone to trouble as a fire is to cause sparks. Jesus, he even told his followers that they should expect persecution from the lost. He goes, the servant in John 15, 20. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So what he's saying is, if, they, if the world would persecute the perfect Lamb of God, what makes us think that we're not going to suffer persecution? That we're not going to go through heartaches and trials and tribulations? And so we can expect injustice as well. So Jesus emphasized this, since we are living in an imperfect world, we should expect difficulties and tribulation. So we should expect to be treated unfairly. We should expect injustice in our lives. Now that doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any easier when we are treated unfairly, when we do suffer injustice, we do suffer persecution. It doesn't make us say, well, Jesus said it was going to happen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. But we shouldn't be surprised when it comes. So we're going to look at how we can deal with injustice this evening. First thing we want to look at is the reality of injustice, the reality of injustice. Nobody, lost or saved, is going to get through this world without suffering injustice of some kind, time or another. Everybody has to deal with it. Some people have to deal with it more severely or more often than others, but every one of us are going to suffer injustice. But as a child of God, where does injustice typically come from? Well, first of all, we have letter A here. We have injustice from the heathen. Injustice from the heathen. The lost world is a humongous source of injustice on the believers of God. Satan uses the lost world to persecute God's children. 
to send trials and tribulations to us, to try to get us off of our walk with God. Injustice is woven throughout the Bible, uh, often from those who don't think know the Lord. I mean, look at, look at Daniel. Daniel, of course, was kidnapped as a young child and taken away from Jerusalem, taken all the way to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, to Babylon. And, uh, of course, he was uh, put in a position of power. And sometimes we kind of overlook like, like, oh, well, you know, Daniel, yeah, he, he was in a position of power, but he also had to see his, his entire family slaughtered, his, his home city burned. Uh, he, even though he was in a position of power, he still had to suffer some persecution while he was getting there. And, but even in this, this far-off place where he's, he's in a, serving a king who has killed his entire family and burned his city and is a heathen God, he still loved the Lord. And he still stayed faithful to God. And to me, that's incredible testimony of Daniel that he stayed faithful to God even when no one else was looking. Of course, God was looking. We know that because we have the book of Daniel. But Daniel, because of his, his stand for God and his belief in God and his walk with God, he was thrown into the den of lions simply for praying to God when the king ordered no one to pray anywhere else. It says in Daniel 6.16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. So a wicked king uh, had Daniel thrown into the den of lions because Daniel was praying to his God. Now, of course, we know the story. The king didn't really want to do this, but he had to do this. He had some wicked advisors uh, kind of trick him into passing this law. But it was still the unsaved world treating Daniel unjustly. He suffered injustice because of the un unsaved world. But even look at the New Testament, look at King Herod. Of course, the wise men come to King Herod and they tell him that the, the king of the Jews has been born and they're following his star and he wants to know where he is. And so the king of the wise men go find Jesus and worship Jesus. And you know, he didn't they didn't worship him as a baby. He wasn't, they weren't there on the first night. They were there a couple years later. They, they got to meet the toddler Jesus, not the baby Jesus, but still they met Jesus, more than we could say really. And so they got to meet Jesus. And then because God came to them and told them, don't go back and tell Herod where he is because he's trying to kill him, they went back home another way. Well, the king got furious, and in an attempt to kill Jesus, he had every boy, two years old and under, slaughtered in that area. Now, that's a lot of injustice on those mothers who they lost children, they lost sons, they lost the grandkids because of one wicked man treating them unjustly. So injustice is everywhere we look, and it can come from the unsaved world, but it can also, we can also have injustice from our homes. Injustice from our homes. Let her be there. So even if we can accept the fact that we will suffer injustice from the lost world, it's harder to suffer injustice when it comes from our families, when it comes from those who we trust and we rely on and we think will always be there for us. Maybe you've had parents who you felt loved one brother or sister more than you. Anyone have uh, brothers or sisters that you know their parents is, you know, they have a favorite? Y'all put your hands down. Y'all know, y'all you, you, three are lying. Joel, I, I don't know about you there, buddy. But you, no kids, adults. How many of y'all have brothers and sisters or have parents that you think they had a favorite? Maybe you were their favorite. Yeah, you were the favorite, Howard. Lucky dog. My sister was my mom's favorite. Uh, of course, she was the baby of the family. She was the last one. She was the only girl. And uh, so how do you know she loved you? She loved her the most. Uh, she stabbed me once, and my mom did nothing about it. And uh, so that's just, you know, when, you're, when your sister tries to kill you and your mom's like, you shouldn't have been in her way, you're like, well, I think, 
I think mom's got a favorite, and I ain't it. And uh, so I was like, if she would have killed me, would you help her get rid of the body? And uh, so, but maybe you've had a parent who, who you felt their, they had a brother or sister that was their favorite, and they, they treated them better than you. They treated, them unf- they treated you unfairly. Maybe you were betrayed by a family member. Maybe you were rejected by a loved one or taken advantage of or abused. Injustice at the, at the hands of family members is one of the most heartbreaking realities of the world today. But it's not new. I mean, look at the life of Joseph. Joseph, he experienced extreme injustice at the hands of his family. His brothers hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. But instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery. In Genesis 37, 26, it says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? I mean, here's the conversation they're having. We all got to kill that guy. Well, you know what? We can, we're not going to make any money if we kill him. He's worthless if we kill him. Let's sell him instead. And so, and uh, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and fl- our flesh. And so here's what he's saying, you know, we'd make more money if we sold him. We really, you know, he's our brother. We shouldn't kill him. Let's let them kill him instead. And so that way, we're innocent of his death. And his brethren were content, and they're passed by Midianites and merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. So any way we encounter injustice is painful. Whether we suffer injustice from the unsaved world, whether it's our family who, who is in, his causes injustice in our lives, but whatever, any way we fu- suffer injustice, it's real and it's painful. Now, knowing we should expect it doesn't make it easier to deal with when the hard time comes. So first of all, we see the reality of injustice. Number two there, let's see the root of injustice. We can see that injustice, it's a, it's a real problem we have to deal with, but what motivates it? What causes injustice in our lives? What are the driving forces behind the reality of injustice? Well, letter A there, one of the, the roots of it is unfair treatment. You ever felt like life's just not fair? Yeah, the 11-year-old the thinks life is not fair because he doesn't have enough time on the Xbox. So any adults who've actually lived life think life's unfair sometimes? Yeah, life's, life's unfair. Life's hard. Life's painful sometimes. And, well, you know, life isn't fair, and no one ever said it was going to be fair. When Joseph's brother sold him to slavery, it was one of the most terrible things that one person did to a family member in the Old Testament. And there's no justification for what they did. There's no rationalization for what they did. But if you look in their past, you can see the root of unfairness that brought them to this point. Again, in Genesis 3, 37, 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So in this story, we do focus most of the time on the injustice that Joseph suffered at the hands of his brothers. But what about the unfair treatment his brothers suffered at the hands of their father? I mean, here's Joseph. He's the youngest son, and Joseph Jacob gives him a coat of many colors. Now, this traditionally, this wasn't just a fancy piece of clothing that Jacob gave to Joseph. This was a symbol of authority. This was a symbol of power. Jacob was telling everyone around and everyone in the family, including the older brothers, that Joseph's the one in charge. 
Joseph's the one that I want to run the show. Joseph's the one that I'm going to give all the inheritance to. Now, as the older brother, how would that make you feel? Your dad has just obviously stated he loves your brother, your younger brother, more than he does you. And so they suffered, they were dealing with unfairness as well. So Jacob was a good man, but his injustice impacted his entire family for years to come. His brothers, of course, they sensed and they saw the favoritism that Jacob directed at Joseph. And it, it caused bitterness to grow inside of their spirit that led them to the point where they said, instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery because we'd make more money. They finally had too much and they decided to act out against the unfairness that they saw. Then they, they turned on Joseph, they threw him in a pit, they held a caravan of Midianite traders and they sold him into slavery. They ripped Joseph from his family and sold him thinking they had gotten rid of him forever. Genesis 37, 23. And it came to pass when Jesus, Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. If we are not careful, the injustices we experience will impact us to the point where we can justify mistreating other people. We can justify treating other people as we've been treated. We like to twist the golden rule. Instead of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, we say, well, do unto others as you have been done, as you've had done unto you. People mistreat me so I can mistreat them. My dad hurt me so I can hurt my brother. My dad hurt me so I can hurt my kids. And we, we justify our actions. We need to understand God's view on justice and learn to respond the way Jesus did when he suffered injustice. So one Root of injustice is unfair treatment. Let her be there. Another root is unawareness of God's plan. Unawareness of God's plan. Another way that injustice comes to us is through those who are unaware of God's plan and His promises. Think about it. Nothing takes God by surprise. We're, we're treated unjustly. We suffer persecution. Joseph's thrown into a pit. God wasn't shocked by this. Not even the unjust and unfair events of our life take God by surprise. Now, God is not the cause of injustice. He's not responsible for them, but He does use them in our lives for our good. He does use them in our lives to bring about His plan. He's able to use the trials in our life to bring about good in our lives that we could never have imagined for ourselves. When people suffer injustice without trusting that God has a greater plan, they can easily become manipulative. They feel it's up to them to even the score of life. Without realizing it, they give out the injustices that they have received. We, we see this in the life of Rebecca. Of course, Rebecca, while she was pregnant with twins, her twins were Jacob and Esau, she received a promise from God in Genesis 25-23. She was told by God, the elder shall serve the younger. Now, this was a promise God gave her. God told her, the elder, the, the elder will serve the younger. Now, this was, of course, completely against tradition of Jewish tradition. Of course, in Jewish tradition, the eldest was always the one who was in charge. So the younger would always serve the elder. But here God tells her it's going to be different with these two. The younger will be in charge of the elder. So when they're born, Esau, he's the oldest. He, he comes out first, and then Jacob was the youngest. Now, Esau was close to his father, Isaac. They went hunting, they went fishing, they did all kinds of things together. He was a, he was a, he was a daddy's boy. 
and he spent time with his dad and learned from his dad. Jacob, the Bible says Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. That means he was a little more homebody. He was a mama's boy. He stayed home. He cooked meals. He helped with the dishes. He kept a, He was a homebody while Esau was a man of the field. So Esau grew close to Jake, Isaac, and Jacob grew close to Rebekah. And as they grew, Rebekah always remembered that promise of God, where God told her the older will serve the younger. When God wasn't exalting Jacob on her schedule, she took matters into her own hands. They came where Isaac thought he was going to die. And so he calls Esau in, his favorite son, his buddy. says, Esau, I'm going to die pretty soon. I want you to go out into the field. I want you to kill me a deer and cook it just the way I like with the tenderloin and the gravy and the, the sautéed onions and the mushrooms and all that stuff in there and make me a good old uh, deer tenderloin uh, roast, Esau, and I'll eat that and then I'll bless you. Now, Rebecca heard this. And she remembered, no, God said that Jacob would be the one to receive the blessing. So she, instead of, instead of trusting God, instead of waiting on God, she treats Esau unjustly by tricking Isaac to give the birthright to Jacob. And the entire family was destroyed because of it. Because she wasn't trusting God, she went out of her way and treated Esau unjustly. So what's the end result? Well, Jacob did receive the blessing, but Esau felt betrayed by his mother. Instead of seeing the hand of God at work, he saw his mom stealing what was rightfully his for her favorite son. And so Esau developed a root of bitterness in his life, all because of Rebekah's unfair favoritism. And if you read the story, Isaac or Jacob has to flee for his life because Esau said, Hey, uh, when mom's dead, so are you, boy. And so Jacob runs for his life, and Esau, he goes out and finds two wives that are not of Israel to spite his mother because she didn't want him marrying uh, people of different nationalities. So he goes, well, if mom don't like it, I don't care. So bitterness and hurt and injustice just perpetuated because of one uh, mistreatment. So Esau, uh, so when we are on the receiving end of injustice, we need to remember that no one can keep God from doing His will in our life. Bitterness on our part is a choice. And the only way to escape the cycle of bitterness is to choose forgiveness. And how do we do that? Well, when you remember that God is sovereign, you realize that injustice is not what dictates your path. Your response to injustice is what dictates your path. Joseph understood this. After being sold into slavery, he's, he's falsely accused and he's thrown into prison. And, of course, through God working the events, he eventually gets risen to power. And at the end of his life, he said, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. At the end of his life, Joseph looks at his brothers, the, the brothers who had sold him into slavery, and said, You, you did this because you hated me, but God used this for good. God allowed you to treat me unjustly so that good could come out of it. Joseph had received God's grace to rise above the injustice and break the cycle of it in his life. He, he forgave his brothers so he could feel free to continue down God's path for his life. <clears throat> now, although understanding the reasons why someone has mistreated us or treated us unjustly may give us perspective, it doesn't change how we feel. 
we may realize, well, they're treating us because they're treating us unfairly or they're, they're reacting to something that's happened to them. It doesn't make us feel good that we're still suffering injustice. We're still suffering. Healing doesn't come just because we recognize someone else has suffered as well. But healing can come. So how can we get to the place where Joseph was where we can see, see the things that happened to us and say, well, they did it because they wanted to hurt us. But God allowed it to happen for good. So number three, let's look at our response to injustice. Our response to injustice. You know, injustice, it has a way of bringing our lives to a stop. It has a way of making us just stop focusing on everything else and focus on the hurt that we've been dealt. You've been mistreated. You've been treated unjustly by a teacher, by a parent, by a friend. And we don't know where to go from there. We don't know how to move on from there. How can you move toward healing? How can you see God take the hurts and injustices that you've been dealt and make them good? We have, we have two options. Option A is we can react in our flesh. We can do what we want to do. And when someone treats you unjustly, what do you want to do? You want to treat them unjustly right back. You know, we see it in our, in our kids all the time. You know, our, my kids... The van kids, you know, why'd you hit him? Well, he hit me first. And that's our fleshly reaction. Someone hurts you, you want to hurt them. It's what our flesh wants to do. So instead of believing that God can use what happened for us for good, we decide to get even. When we are hurt, our flesh wants to lash out and hurt those who hurt us. But that just causes more pain. See, God has a better option. Now, option B is a supernatural response. It is reacting as Jesus would. It's a response of the spirit-filled believer, and we cannot do this on our own. There's no way for us to respond as Jesus responded if we're not walking with him and being filled with his spirit. 1 Peter 2 shows us how Jesus responded when he was treated unjustly. It says 1 Peter 2:23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself that judgeth righteously. Now, don't, don't miss that phrase, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. See, Jesus' response was possible because he trusted that God the Father was the only true judge. He trusted no matter what other people did to him, God was their ultimate judge. Jesus' response was possible because he trusted God to be the judge. While we want to respond in a spirit-filled Christ-like way, it's easier said than done. It's easier to say, what would Jesus do, than actually do what Jesus would do. So how do we respond like Jesus? What does that look like on a practical level? Well, letter A there, recognize your responsibility. Recognize your responsibility. Joseph's brothers, they used the unjust treatment they'd received from Jacob to justify how they treated Joseph. If Joseph would have done the same thing, if he would have justified the unjust treatment he received from his brothers to treat someone else differently, his life would have been drastically different. But he, he didn't do that. He chose to stay faithful to God. He chose to serve and obey God and trust God to work it out. Even when he's tempted to have an affair with his boss's wife, which again, he's in a foreign country. 
No one knows he's a, he's a child of God. No one knows him. Here's this guy. This man has purchased him. He's obviously, Potiphar's obviously not a righteous man. And so here comes this woman that says, hey, why don't we have a little fun while the, my, my husband's away? He could have thought, you know what? This guy treats me poorly. This guy bought me like cattle. I, I have a right to get back at him. But he didn't. He trusted God. He even said, I can't touch you because my master forbid it, but also it would be a sin against God. So even when he's treated unfair, even when he's being treated unjustly, he trusts God. So our responsibility is to be faithful to God no matter what comes. And as Christians, we struggle in this area. This is one of the things we struggle with most. We think we have something. We, we think that we have something we have to prove to others, and we have to forget that, that we have someone else to please. We think someone treats me poorly. Someone, someone maybe talks bad about me, and you know what we want to do? We want to set the record straight. I'll show them. We just share the gossip we know about them. And instead, we, we try to prove something to everyone instead of understanding we have a Heavenly Father that we want to please, that wants us, no matter what we're going through, just to walk with Him and love Him and serve Him and trust Him. So recognize your responsibility. Let it be there. Refuse to get even. Refuse to get even. Now, through events that only God could orchestrate... Joseph becomes the prime minister of, of Egypt during a terrible famine. Of course, Joseph, he, God gave him wisdom of interpreting dreams, and so he saw this famine coming, and so he told Pharaoh, store up uh, for three and a half year, for seven years of good, and then seven years of famine will come, and, but you'll have enough food stored up for the seven years of famine that you'll be able to find. And so the famine hits in Egypt, they're doing good because they've got this food stored up. Well, the famine eventually spreads to other nations, and they start suffering. And so other nations start coming to Egypt to get food and to, to, get, to be, uh, survive the famine. Well, lo and behold, here comes Joseph's brothers. They don't know it's Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And they come and they bow down and they ask Joseph for food. And Joseph, at that moment, could have easily gotten even. He could have easily said, guards, take them away, sold them into slavery, made them, put them into prison. He could have easily gotten even with them. But he, he had a choice. He could have punished them. He could throw them in jail. So he could, have, he could throw them in jail or he could forgive them and allow God to take care of it. And Joseph refused to retaliate even when he was in a position to do so. And now, instead, he forgave his brother because he realized that getting even was God's business, not his. Now, quick caveat, this does not apply if someone's beating you up. Feel free to, to fight back. Someone breaks in my house and says they're going to kill my family. I'm not going to say, I'm going to leave it to God. I'll say something religious over their dead body. I'm not saying that. You know, someone's hurting you, get help. Someone's breaking the law, call the police. But otherwise, do not retaliate. Leave it up to God. So, first of all, recognize your responsibility. Secondly, refuse to get even. Letter C there. Remember God's master plan. God is in complete control of everything that happens. That's hard for us to understand when the things that are happening hurt. It's hard for us to understand why would God, who says he loves me, who says he's going to provide for me, who says he's going to protect me, who says he's never going to leave me, why would he allow these painful things to happen? Because God has a plan for our entire life that we can't see in the moment. And we have to trust 
that everything that happens is part of God's plan. Joseph recognized this as he spoke to his brothers. When he finally revealed himself to his brothers, he, he could have used his power to get revenge, but instead he said in verse, chapter 45, verse 8, So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. I mean, Joseph, he's just revealed himself to his brother. They're begging for forgiveness. They're like, please don't kill us. He goes, you weren't the ones that sold me into slavery. God brought me here. God sent me here. He recognized that the pain he suffered at the hands of his brothers was all part of God's plan to get him where he needed to be. He was saying that God allowed him to be sent to Egypt, sold as a slave, lied on and imprisoned, and released to be put in charge all because that was part of God's plan. Later he told him, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. God allowed him to be sold into slavery and be released, into, released and put into power for this very moment. It was all part of God's master plan. It was all of it in God's hands. So letter D there, finally, how do we reply? We rely on God's faithfulness. We rely on God's faithfulness. We understand that even in the hard times, God is always faithful. Here's a story about David. When day Absalom rose up to fight David, to overthrow David, and David is running from his son Absalom, he, he is stopped by a man named Shimei. Now Shimei and Saul, they were both of the tribe of Benjamin, and Shimei was a little bitter that David took over the throne from Saul when Saul had died. And so as David passed, David's still the king. David still has his soldiers with him. David still has his mighty men with him as he's, he's passing by. Shimei is chunking rocks at the king and cussing him. He's kind of, a, kind of a bold guy. And you know what David did? David looked at his men and said, go kill that idiot. Now his, his friend said, hey, can we go kill that guy? David said, no, leave him alone. Matter of fact, David said this. He said, and the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zerah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. Who shall say then, wherefore hast thou done? So David, he chose to rely on God's faithfulness. Realizing, you know what, this guy, he can throw insults at me, he can curse at me, he can throw rocks at me, but I'm going to trust God that God's allowing this for a purpose. He trusted that God would make things right. He could have defended himself, but he let God do it. In our lives, we are quick to retaliate. Eventually, we're going to end up hurting ourselves more than we hurt the other person. As we see from Joseph's life, we must refuse to retaliate. Instead, rely on the unfailing, uh, boundless faithfulness of God. You know, we can see the fingerprints of injustice trust touching every aspect of our world. And until we get to heaven, injustice will be a part of our life. Our response to the injustice we will face is what determines the effect that injustice has on us. So like Joseph, and ultimately like Jesus, let's choose to respond with trust and sovereign, in God's sovereignty and God's faithfulness. And when we do, we not only break the cycle of injustice, but we unlock the flow of God's blessings in our lives.